Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation in our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Psalm 112. It's a psalm that needs to be understood alongside of another psalm. We can go to the next screen. Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 are to be read side by side. It's important for context. As you know, context makes all the difference in the world. In Psalm 111, the psalm is about the righteousness of God, especially coming out at verse 3. But look at this. We have this side-by-side correspondence in beautiful poetic form in Psalm 112. We go from the righteousness of God in the previous psalm to the righteousness that God imputes upon his children. As a matter of fact, in verse 3, we have similar words. His righteousness endures forever. In Psalm 111, referring to the Lord. In Psalm 112, referring to you, the people of God, who have had the righteous imputation of Christ put upon you. We can't have the second one without the first one. Blessed is the man means the bestowal of God's grace has taken place in your life through faith in the righteous and merciful Lord, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Context is everything. And now that we have that foundation in Psalm 111, we can go on to the life that God produces in us in Psalm 112. Two big blessings flow out of this psalm. The first blessing that comes out in Psalm 112 is the teaching of what life is all about for the child of God. We learn why we're here. We learn what it is we seek and strive for. We learn about about our true identity, and we know how to look at all of life. And the second great blessing that comes out of this psalm in Psalm 112 is living life itself is now put into perspective. That is, we learn how this life is to be lived by the grace of God. Now, this is a very bold psalm. We need to keep in mind that just as we have God's grace producing our justification, our being declared righteous in his sight through Jesus, God's grace is also expressed in very real ways in how the righteous, active life of Christ is seen in and through his people. And this is what that psalm does. It talks about boldly how God works in and through your life. We go on to the next slide. So with this clarification, we are rescued, my brothers and sisters in Christ, from what life is not about, in spite of popular ideas and popular approaches to life. For example, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, we are very much warned about what life is not about. From John's epistle, we know it's not about the desires of the flesh, oftentimes meaning the pursuit of money. It's not about the desires of the eyes, what oftentimes amounts to pursuing fame and prestige. And it's not about pride of possessions or pursuing pleasures. But these are very popular. We all know it. This goes without saying. And to punctuate that point, I want to share with you some true confessions. Uh, Some of these folks might be familiar to you. The first one is from Madonna, who is actually starting another tour. Can you believe that? Madonna says, quote, I have an iron will, 
And all of my will has always been to conquer some feeling of inadequacy. She goes on in this quote to talk about how she's always struggled with the feeling of mediocrity. And she's wanted to get beyond that mediocrity by pursuing success in her life. So she says, my struggle has never ended. And it probably never will. And if success, fame, becomes our driver, becomes what we live for, we're going to learn the hard way that it's something that turns to dust, that amounts to nothing, so that we're never truly satisfied. But that's one of the problems that we can get into when we don't have the right perspective of life. Here's another true confession. Now, many of us know O.J. Simpson from all of the headlines that he's gotten recently in the past couple of decades, all the tr legal trouble he has had. But when he was on, when he was hot, when he was doing his thing back in the early 1970s, he was a spectacular athlete for the Buffalo Bills, a running back. He set the single-game rushing record of 273 yards. He was the first NFL rusher to eclipse the 2,000-yard barrier in a single season. But during that success in his life in the mid-70s, this is what O.J. Simpson was quoted as saying, I sit in my house in Buffalo, and sometimes I get so lonely it's unbelievable. I'm lonely, and I'm bored. I often wondered why so many rich people commit suicide. Money sure isn't a cure-all, an important thing to keep in mind. Next slide. I'm a big Laker fan, so I like to follow the career of some of the former Laker stars, like Jerry West, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. One of them was Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq, in his book, Shaq Uncut, My Story, after telling the story of his buying three Bentleys one, one day, completely unintentionally, just driving by one day, and he was in his shorts and flip-flops, but he just decided to pull into a Bentley dealership, and there he ran into Mike Tyson, who happened to be buying two Bentleys, so he decided to go one up on Mike Tyson. He bought three. He spent $600,000 and he writes in his book, I could afford almost anything I could think of. And what you realize later is you don't really even want most of it. Wow. What a testimony on how not to live our lives, what not to pursue. We need Psalm 112 because this psalm puts it all into perspective. Next slide. Psalm 112 leads us to the right view of life. Thanks be to God. Let's read verse 1 together. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. This is what Luther has to say about this verse. Thus the fear of God is nothing else than the worship of God. We lay hold on the heart of God by fearing him, that is standing in awe of him and honoring him in all things. And if at times the Christian forgets God in the weakness of his flesh, the Christian says, Oh God, cover it up. Be gracious. But in Psalm 112, we now know how to look at life and how to approach it. Not pursuing money and success. Not pursuing all these things of the world here today, gone tomorrow. But pursuing, pursuing the Lord. Seeking first by his grace. That righteousness we've received, Psalm 111, now poured over into your life through word and sacrament in Jesus Christ, you are now led to know the right view of life. The bold part is that there is a result of knowing God's grace. For example, verse 3. Again, this is a bold psalm. 
Wealth and riches are in the house of the Christian. Now, I read uh, quite a few commentaries in preparation for today's sermon, and I've um, become very much aware of how often there's a tendency to kind of over-spiritualize this psalm. Now, it's certainly true that because you belong to the kingdom of God, because you're part of the body of Christ, you are rich in the sense of the forgiveness of sins. You are rich in the sense that you have the grace of God. You are rich in the sense that you are always in the hands of Christ who has promised to never let you go. You're rich. That's true. But at the same time, this particular psalm also seems to be talking about some very real material aspects. Now, this is not a prosperity gospel. This is not be a good person and God will bless you with all kinds of goods. But Christians start to look like Christ, and as a result, Christians start to experience graciousness and mercy and righteous gifts in their lives. Next screen. We, should, we could spiritualize this, but there is a material aspect. You are rich and wealthy in terms of having the kingdom of God, as I've said. Abraham and David, at the same time, were also materially, materially rich. But we know many believers are not materially rich. So how can this apply to all believers? Well, it's because all believers still experience the gracious gifts of God here and now. Even Elijah, who was extremely poor, who was hungry, who was suffering, experienced the great grace of God of him sending ravens to feed him when he was hungry and when he was suffering. Next dream. When my wife and I first got married, we were broke. But God provided in amazing ways. Not because we're such good people, but only because we poor sinners receive the grace of God in our lives. One day, Tracy told me, we're short about $60 this month, our little seminary and budget. I went to Radio Shack, I sold the computer that night, my commission was the, almost the exact amount of money that she said we were short. One day, we were short again, and I went to the mailbox of seminary, opened that, and there was a letter from someone who decided to sponsor us just recently. God had provided again, like ravens coming from the sky. Next slide. It's true. 26 years ago, one of the most humbling experiences I ever had in my life, we didn't have a Christmas tree. Can you believe that? Now that's poor. You know how it is. You go out to a Christmas tree farm, you got the deluxe trees, the kind of good trees, the bad trees, then the trees that nobody really wants over here for like this bargain basement price, right? We couldn't even afford those that Christmas. But a friend of mine, a Christian man, heard about our, our plight and predicament. And he showed up a couple nights before Christmas, bringing to my wife and I a Christmas tree. I'll never forget that. He wasn't rich either. He was poor materially too. But he gave a Christmas tree to me and my wife that night. And we were overjoyed. Now check this out. 26 years later. 26 years later. For the first time in my life, this leader, alpha dog, personality type right here. For the first time in my life, I have a panic attack. And I have a panic attack. I end up in ER. And what happens, the same guy shows up into my ER room, handling my fear with the word of God and with God's love. Jesus came to visit me and my brother. I saw the righteousness flowing from his life that blessed me in dealing with my fear. Next slide. Not because we're so good. We're not. But on account of Christ. This is why you will never be forgotten. This is why you will be remembered forever. Because your life is in Christ. Christ is your legacy. Life is now put into perspective. And in and through God's grace and forgiveness in Christ, you now know how to live. As one who knows the righteousness of God in your life, go forth, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and rejoice. You will be remembered always, and you will live in the righteousness of God who holds you.
In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.